All right, well, today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 16 in the ESV. And uh, if you can uh, follow along, and uh, if you want to look that up in a pew Bible, uh, the pew Bibles there are ESVs. Or if you brought your own Bible, um, again, that's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And if you could please stand as able once you're ready to read the scripture, we'll be doing an alternate reading, which means I'll read the first verse, we'll all respond with the verse after that, and we'll keep going back and forth until the end. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes a body grow so that builds itself up in love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, friends, we are continuing in our sermon series, uh, The Big Story, as we are going through uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, today's message is called Walk Worthy. Uh, So, uh, you know, as a parent of uh, two girls who are growing up, but... Uh, you know, when they were younger, uh, we watched a lot of Disney movies and a lot of uh, different kids' movies, and some I've enjoyed more than others. This is actually one of my favorites. Do you guys know what this movie is? Oh my gosh, so we have another true fan, all right. Uh, what, what movie is this for anyone who doesn't know? Enchanted, okay, all right. Some of you guys are like, Enchanted, even said in an enchanted way. So I got to tell you, uh, I, I, I do enjoy it a lot. It, it's, it's a movie about uh, this, this storybook princess who comes to the real world, who comes to New York City, and her prince follows her, and uh, a lot of hijinks follow. <laughs> it's a really cute and funny movie. Um, but I have to say that every time I watch it, there's something that bugs me so much. And by the time I get to the end of the movie, and the, the end credits are rolling, and they're playing that song, ever, ever. This is me a lot of singing today. I'm sorry. Just can't be helped. But uh, uh, by the time it gets to the end of the the movie, I get really frustrated. And it's because of this actress here on the right. Does anyone know who this is? 
If you don't know who this is, if you don't recognize the face, you all, I'm willing to bet good money that all of you have heard this actress. You've heard her voice. You've heard her sing. Her name is Adina Menzel, and she is a, a, a Broadway a singer, actress. Uh, she was in Rent. Uh, she was in Wicked. But she is best known for playing the voice of Elsa in Frozen. And so she is one of the best singers in the world. But in Enchanted, Enchanted, for those of you guys who haven't seen it, it's a musical. There are many songs. There are five songs that are in uh, uh, Enchanted. And Adina Menzel, one of the best singers in the world, does not sing at all. And, and so when I get to the end of the movie, I'm like, that's it? Like, what? Like, this bothers me so much. I've, like, looked it up on Wikipedia. I've tried to find the reason why. Apparently, they actually did. I found this out on Wikipedia, that they actually did write a song for Adina Menzel to sing with uh, James Marston, uh, who's, who you see up here. Uh, and it was actually called Enchanted. You know, it's the same as the title. Uh, but they didn't use it in the movie. And so, you know, uh, <laughs> like, seriously, we've watched this movie so many times in our family you know, every time I complain about it, I'm like, she's one of the best singers in the world. Why doesn't she sing? And maybe some of you are like, Pastor Steve, you got to let it go, let it go. Yeah, you see what I did. That's her song. She sang let it go. Okay. All right. Well, brothers and sisters, so it's kind of like, like, like uh, it seems like a waste, right? When someone with so much talent and such obvious gifts. And everyone else is actually exercising those gifts, and she doesn't get to do that. I wonder if in some ways that's the way the church is oftentimes. Maybe we have many, many talented and gifted people who are not actually using their gifts. There's something, and we'll see this in the scripture, uh, there's this, this idea that um, every believer has been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Every believer has been given gifts of the Holy Spirit. But there's this thing that they talk about, and they talk about this a lot in church leadership. Uh, it's this, this uh, uh, 2080 principle. Uh, and so what this is, it's the idea that about 20% of people in church, and apparently this is also true of a lot of organizations, about 20% of people in church do about 80% of the work. Uh, and, and we actually did this thing uh, because we, at, at the um, campus in uh, post-grad lock-in, uh, our theme was on the body of Christ. And we had uh, people split up into groups. And, and I told them, you have a hypothetical church, 100 people. And if everyone is a, a part of the body of Christ and everyone has a role, I want you to assign a role to all those 100 people. And people really struggled with it. People try to get very creative because, you know, there's obvious roles like pastor. You know, they're like, one. Okay, shoot. What do I do with the rest of the 99? Right? They're like, praise team. You know, 10. You know, it's a pretty big praise team. You know, okay, shoot. Now we have, <laughs> let's do the math there. We, get, we still got 89, right? Like, okay, we got some small group leaders. Okay, we, we got some, you know, uh, youth group uh, teachers. We, we, we've got uh, people who work the nursery, you know, people who bring the bread for communion, you know. Uh, people try to get creative. They're like, well, our church has a choir, 40 people. <laughs> like, okay. But still, you still got like 30, 40 people left over. What do you do with them? And I, I think it's this question of if we have been given these gifts, 
Why aren't we using? Could it be, it's not necessarily everyone's fault in the church, but it could be the fault of the church itself, that we aren't giving people the opportunity to use their gift. You know, maybe some people don't even know that they are supposed to use things. Can you imagine Adina Mensa? Let's, let's use her again as an example. You know, one of the best singers in the world probably has done a lot of training, you know, and she gets all this vocal training, right? And then, you know, maybe there's some people who are helping her to uh, warm up her vocal cords. And so she, like, warms up her vocal cords. And she goes through all these practices. She has to learn all the songs to Frozen, you know. Uh, and and she, she's got to, you know, do it well. And she goes in the recording studio. And they're like, no, 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 that's not quite right. Actually, let's change the second verse. Uh, actually, Adina, can you go into your higher register here, you know, for, for, for the, the big, you know, uh, the, I, I don't know, when Elsa's like running out on the mountain, can you, you know, actually sing even louder? And she does all this practice and all this stuff, and then there's no movie. They just cancel it. There's no movie. And Adina Menzel's like, well, what did I do all that practice for? What, why did I warm up my vocal cords? Why did I uh, have to go into the studio and have to, you know, hone and perfect every song if there was no musical? What is the point of all that preparation? And I wonder if in many ways this is the case for the modern Christian. We tell you, we talk this big game about transformation, about all these things that you are supposed to be doing and becoming as Christians. You're supposed to be loving and you're supposed to be, you know, patient and humble. And we're going to see some of this stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in the scripture today, sorry, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I think the battery's running out there. Um, oh, okay, now it's working. Uh, so in the very beginning of this passage here, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. Now, uh, we have this great list of, of great qualities that we should have as Christians, right? And uh, Paul is, is urging, encouraging, begging us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have. And, and so uh, in, in, in order to do that, we should be living, we should be walking with all humility and gentleness and patience, loving each other, uh, all of these great things. But this is the thing, brothers and sisters, why? What is this calling? Don't you think you have to know what the calling is to know what you're being trained for, right? And, and so maybe, uh, you know, just to go back to the Dina Menzel example, maybe she did all this amazing vocal training, right? She got ready for, uh, uh, she was told like, yeah, you're going to be in this musical, it's Disney, so you know the songs are going to be hot, right? It's going to be so good. It's called Enchanted. She's like, oh, all right, all right. I'm one of the best singers in the world. She's like preparing. And then she shows up and she never sings, right? And she's like, and they're like, actually, your role is actually to, to act, like, okay, well, I can do that, but you know I'm a singer, right? You know, you, you know I'm a, actually a pretty good singer. You know, what is the calling? And could it be that maybe for some of us, we don't know what the calling is? And we're doing all this training, and maybe part of the reason why uh, 
I don't know. Maybe if you were doing all the training and you just didn't know what the purpose was for, or it was for something that would never actually be useful or never actually come to fruition, you know, we'd say, "What's the point? Why are we doing any of this?" Right? And so this goes back to the idea of the big story that we've been talking about. I think that's what the calling is. So this is going to be my big sell for you. If you can understand what the calling is and why this is so worthy, then actually living like a Christian makes sense. Actually, living like a Christian will fit. It'll be like <laughs> one more time, Adina Menzel, right? Learning to sing and actually getting to sing in a musical, and everyone cheers, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, Frozen, instant classic! All、oh, those songs are so hot. It's so good. You know, it's the right fit. It's exactly the way it's supposed to be." But I think in the church we're a little bit lost. Because we're telling you to cultivate these great traits, we're telling you you have these gifts. In in most cases, in most churches, right, eighty percent of the people never get to use them, or never given the opportunity to use them, or never told that you're supposed to use them, right? And so when it says, uh, uh, "I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called." Paul is making a, 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 a big sell here already. He is positing something that you may or may not believe, but he's trying to make a point. He's saying that the calling is worth it, right? He's saying I'm going to ask you to live a worthy life because your calling is worthy. What is that? I, I think sometimes when people read passages like this. We think the calling is a mystery. Oh, you know what? That's your individual calling, right? You have to find that calling. So maybe your calling is to be an accountant. Okay, maybe, but in this context, brothers and sisters, I don't think that's the calling he's talking about. But if that is, then some of the things that you're going to see in here aren't going to make a lot of sense, right? So I wanted to break this down for you so that we can kind of make sense of this.、Um, I just wanted to take it line by line. So this is.、Uh, uh, Verses one through three says, "I, uh, uh, oh yeah, here we go. It says,、uh, 'I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called.' And so, now, brothers and sisters, let's just、uh, take for example that the calling is not the big calling, but the calling is just whatever you want it to be. Yeah, just your life, right? It's maybe your job. So your job is your calling. So now you got to do this with all humility." And gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, this is a little weirder. This makes less sense, but let's just roll with it. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, if that calling is just any random calling, some of these things are going to either be really hard, or just make no sense. You know, can you imagine that you're in a job or、uh, in a work environment where other people? Are promoting themselves. You, you know, you you go to the job interview and they're like, "Hey, what are your best qualities?" You know, go ahead. You you can brag here. We we want people to, you know, be their best selves. And you're like, "Well, I got to do this with all humility. I, I I can't talk about myself like that." You know, they're like, "No, no, no. Go ahead." And you're like,、mm, "No, I also have to practice gentleness." And and you know, they're like, "Well." You do realize this is a sales job. You have to be kind of aggressive. 
And you're like, oh, yeah, no, no, I, I'm just not going to do that. And now, brothers and sisters, whether or not humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love is, 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 uh, are good qualities to have in a sales job, I, 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 I think you could argue that those would be good qualities. But I think that the point I'm trying to make is that it would be very difficult. If no one else holds these values, if no one else sees this as virtues, they're like, you know what? Being humble is actually going to be uh, a drawback in this job. Being gentle? Mm-mm. Like, no one here is gentle. Well, what are you doing, right? We're, we're, we see you as being passive. You know? That, that's going to make it your job much harder. And then you, you might be wondering, well, why? Why do I have to be humble? Why do I have to be gentle? Why do I have to be patient? Why do I have to bear with one another in love in a sales job? And the reason why it doesn't make sense is because that's not the calling. That's not the calling that that he's talking about here. The calling that he's talking about is the big story. What is the big story? Anyone who's been here for at least one week in this series, because we talk about it every week, what is it? To unite all things in Christ. Amen. Amen. Who said that? Gold star today. <laughs> all right. Good job. To unite all things in Christ. That's the big story, right? It's a big job to bring the entire world under the love of Christ, to unite it in the love of Christ. There's a lot of broken things. There's a lot of separate people. We live in a world where people are just kind of doing their own thing. They're living their own individual lives. They're incredibly lonely. Right? There's people who are mistreating each other because they're like, hey, I got to get mine. I'm just going to worry about myself. You worry about yourself. And so people aren't looking out for each other anymore. You know, we look at people who are poor or people who don't have as much, and we're like, well, tough cookies. It's not my problem, right? Because you're not me. You're not my clan. You're not my family. You know, and we don't see ourselves as being a part of one family. We don't see ourselves being part of one human race. We don't see ourselves like the other person. If we were to love others as if they were us, the world would look different. If we were to actually be in the unifying business instead of the self-protection business, the world would look different. That's the big story. That's the big purpose. That is what we are put on earth to do. But it's hard. It's very, very difficult. And the, the, the task that we are given is not just about unifying the entire world because, I mean, for one, you're not going to be able to do it without God's help. And in many ways, if that is your goal and you're like, man, I'm never going to be satisfied until that happens, I mean, well, you're going to be working for the rest of your life. You know, that's not a bad thing. But in many ways, it's going to be very frustrating because you're not going to see much change. And so God in his wisdom has given us a much smaller body to work with, and it is, surprise, surprise, the church. The church is the the avenue. The church is the place. The church is the locus of all this activity that we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to unify this. (laughs) You know, these hundred or so people. That's our job. Now, if that is the calling, if, if that is your job, now look at this list again. Do you think you're going to need some humility to do that, to love the church? 
You think you're going to need some gentleness, some patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? Oh, Pastor Steve, I get it now. Okay, that last line makes sense. It doesn't make sense when I'm talking about my accounting job, but it makes sense when I'm talking about the church, right? These qualities are supposed to help us to be able to unite the church and to be the body that God is calling us to be. And so he goes on to to even say, to really call it out, say, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So this idea that you are one body, right? That there is only one church. I know it's weird because we have so many denominations now, right? And we have so many different church buildings. Uh, I, I don't know so much about the denominations. There were different ways of practicing Christianity. Even in the early church, there were a lot of controversies. They were trying to work it out, you know? And Paul was still trying to unify people, even though back then, um, you know, there wasn't as probably as much division as there is now. But certainly, there wasn't just one church. I mean, there weren't really church buildings back then. People would meet in the temple or they'd meet at the synagogue or they'd meet at, you know, people's homes, you know, because there weren't really church buildings. Um, But there were definitely different congregations that Paul uh, uh, oversaw and that Paul founded, right? We know that because there's all kinds of letters, right? Paul's letter to the Philippians. Where's Philippi? Well, I'll tell you this. It's not where Colossae is. You can't, right? It's very far. There are different communities, right? Different places. So definitely Paul understood there's going to be different local churches. But even still, you are one church. And and this idea of, you know, churches that are so diverse, I mean, so diverse in, in the sense that we are not unified. You know, we're all over the place. You know, that, that in many ways goes in, flies in the face of the spirit of what Paul is talking about here. One body. Now, again, that's a big task. If we were to say, okay, let's unify. Uh, okay, you can't unify the whole world, but let's unify all Christians. Still too big for us. <laughs> Still too big. But we can unify this. One body. One body. Now, that may not seem like a difficult task. Let me ask you this. Do you think every single person here in this building believes the same thing? Do you think that we all have the, like, same sort of, like, personality types that just perfectly match each other? We're never going to have conflict. We all have the same interests. We, we, we all have the, the same uh, sort of, you know, the, the same uh, introverted or extroverted tendencies. We all like the same amount of social contact as the next person. We all like the same music. Probably not. There's a lot of diversity in there. Right? That's a good thing. But the task is to unify this. Now, I think we're getting to something a little bit more doable, don't you think? (laughs) Can we at least unify this? This is the goal. This is the task. 
So our big story, I mean, it is a big story. Unify the whole world, right? It's a worthy task. But the way you are going to practice, the way that we are going to learn how to do that is with this body, with this church. That's what Paul is giving us to do. That that is the calling to which you have been called. And in order to do this, Jesus didn't just say, hey, good luck. Just do the best you can. But he has given us gifts. Right? He has given us ways to learn, ways to grow as the body of Christ. And so uh, we're, we're told that we have these many, many different uh, uh, roles and tasks and abilities. And brothers and sisters, what is this all about? This is about I think that's what many people think about the church, is that we are trying to sort of run an organization. You know, and so we have all these different tasks. So, oh, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are shepherds, some are teachers. You know, in this list, um, there are definitely roles that we see that are contemporary to, com- to, to, uh, to contemporary church. Uh, but you see in verse 12, it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There is this idea of building up. There's this idea of maturity. This is this idea of fullness. And, and this is the thing. If we were already perfect there would be nothing to build, right? If we were already harmonious, there would be nothing to work on. If people were all pleasant, you wouldn't have to learn how to be gentle and patient and humble, right? But we're not. That's the expectation, walking in. I remember uh, hearing this story from uh, Carl Lentz, who's a pastor of a megachurch in New York, Hillsong, New York. And... Um, so Hillsong started to kind of get like sort of uh, this like celebrity status. Uh, Carl Lentz was appearing on like talk shows and stuff. And it was well known that he was like really good friends with like Justin Bieber and with like all these NBA stars. And so, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people wanted to go to Hillsong, uh, New York. And uh, praise was led by Joel Houston, who writes like half the songs that we sing, you know, in church. And so people are like, yeah, you know, Hillsong, New York is where it's at. So there would be like a huge line uh, just on a city block in New York waiting to get inside the the, uh, uh, auditorium or wherever they were meeting. And um, so uh, Carl Lentz tells the story that he was walking outside. uh, He just had his coffee, you know, and and Carl Lentz, like, he usually, like, wears a leather jacket when he preaches. Like, you can't really tell he's a pastor. Just looks like a normal New York guy. He's walking down the street, and this guy's like, Hey, uh, uh, do you know what's going on here? Is, 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 this like, is this like a club or something? It's a Sunday morning, but he's like, I don't know. It's New York. Who knows? Maybe there's like clubs that run on Sunday morning. He's like, yeah, yeah, kind of. He's like, oh, okay. Like, like is it cool? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's super cool. It's like, are there girls in there? He's like, yeah, yeah, lots of girls. Like, do they have drinks? Like, yeah, yeah, what, water, but yeah. <laughs> and so he was just very famous for like, hey, everyone come in. You're all welcome. And he would say this. He, he would go preach at, at conferences and all these churches. A lot of these churches are very proper. And he would say this. He says, if your church 
if you're not sitting next to someone in church that makes you uncomfortable, I think you're doing something wrong. If you're not afraid to leave your perch, your, your purse at church, like you, you're, you're like genuinely afraid that someone might actually steal it, then I think we're doing something wrong. And you're like, what? <laughs> you want people who might steal your purse to come to church? He's like, yeah, because those are the people you want to transform. Right? The church should be full of all kinds of imperfect people. That's his point. Right? Anyone can come. And, and that has long been the message of LGM. We're like, you're all welcome here. I always do that spiel. Have you noticed? If you've been to LGM more than once, I say something very similar at the beginning. I say something like, you know, welcome to Living Grace Ministry. Whether you've had a good week or a bad week, whether this is your first time or you've been here many times before, right? You are all welcome here. But I started adding this other part. And I, st- I started saying something to the effect of, but I hope you've come ready to change. That is the church, imperfect people who are ready and willing to change and ready and willing to invest in each other. Brothers and sisters, there's something beautiful. When the body of Christ comes together and learns to be the body of Christ, it's not so beautiful when we're doing it on our own. We talk about all these Christian traits that we're supposed to have. Oh, you're supposed to be loving. You're supposed to be patient. You're supposed to be kind. But when you do it by yourself, it's just kind of boring. It is. And it's kind of hard, right? You know, just to do it on your own, especially when you live in a world where no one really values that. And if they do, they're like, ah, oh, well, you're nice. I'm going to take advantage of you. How do we do this thing? Right? When we are all working together in concert, it's a beautiful thing. I just want to use kind of a silly example, if you would just indulge me. Do you know who this is? This is Steph Curry. There are all kinds of videos of Steph Curry. I don't know why, people are just obsessed with Steph Curry. And there's all kinds of videos of him working out and of him just like like doing drills just shooting the basketball. People say that he has like one of the best basketball shots ever. So maybe this is why people like to watch it. But there are like millions and millions of views of just Steph Curry just shooting a basketball by himself in a gym. Is this fun to watch? <laughs> like, like, what's the point of that? You know? And for me, I, I, I tried to watch one and I actually was going to show it to you. But I was like, everyone's going to get bored because it's just like a minute and a half and he just keeps shooting the ball. Sometimes he misses, sometimes he makes, you know? And just every once in a while, like a, a coach will be like, good job, Steph. And you're like, that's not very fun, <laughs> you know? What's the point of that? That's not the point. The point isn't for Steph to just shoot baskets in an empty gym. It's for him to play a game with other people, with other teammates, and with... Thousands of people watching. That's why he's doing all of this. There is a point. And it makes no sense when he's doing it on his own. It only makes sense in the context of the team. When you are out there and you're trying to live this Christian life and you're doing it by yourself, it makes no sense. You might even ask the question, why am I doing this? No one else is doing this. It's actually kind of inconvenient to do it this way. It slows me down. I make less money. I don't get promoted as quickly when I live the Christian way. It makes no sense. Why? But it makes sense when you put yourself in the context of a team, in the body of Christ. 
And when you understand that your goal is to unify this, let's actually be a body. What does that look like? You're connected to each other. You're loving each other. You're encouraging one another. You are helping each other get better. And, and now we have this idea of spiritual gifts, right? We, we have all been given these gifts, uh, wonderful, wonderful gifts that, that God gives us, right? And, and there are too many to name. And I know that this is uh, probably something that is kind of hard for us to understand in the church. Um, for a while, uh, the way that church leaders would teach spiritual gifts is they would make you take a test. And so somebody, you know, I, I don't know, some like Christian publishing company came up with a test for spiritual gifts. And they're, you know, it's like taking the, the Myers-Briggs or something, or, you know, like taking some BuzzFeed quiz, you know, uh, like, like take this two minute quiz to find out what your spiritual gifts are, right? And so afterwards you're like, oh, my gifts are teaching or my gifts are hospitality or I have the gift of craftsmanship, whatever that is, you know? And, you know, we think of these gifts and it seems so mysterious and it seems so like, in some ways, these gifts are like very lofty, you know? And sometimes like, like we look at the obvious ones like preaching or, uh, you know, like praise team or something like that. I have the gift of praise team. <laughs> I have the gift of worship leading. You know, I have the gift of uh, uh, being able to play the keyboard. And, you know, obviously that, that is a gifting. Musicality is a gifting. But maybe there's some of you, they're like, but Pastor Steve, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a good public speaker. You know, I, I, I don't, like, prophesy as far as I know. I've never healed anyone with my hands. And, and the, the first thing I want to say to you is, how do you know? How do you know you don't have those gifts? Have you ever tried Oh, no. Well, of course not. Who's going to try that? The church? Well, what if I mess up? What if I screw up? That's why we have all this humility. That's why we have all this gentleness. That's why we have all this patience. That's why we bear with one another in love. Because the expectation is you're not going to be perfect. Anymore. You're going to be learning how to love each other. You'll be learning how to do these things. And by the, by the way, brothers and sisters, if the job is to unify this, just preaching at you and singing songs ain't going to do the trick, right? We need people who are going to be able to listen to each other. Do any of you have the spiritual gift of listening? I bet some of you do. You just didn't know that's what it was. Has anyone ever told you, you're such a good listener? And you're like, dude, all I did was make eye contact and just shut up for 20 minutes. That's a spiritual gift. Or maybe. You know, they say that, that uh, listening and love are so tied together that if you don't listen to someone, very often, uh, very seldom, will they feel loved if you don't actually listen. I mean, it, it's a skill. It's a quality that's missing in this world so often. People just want to talk. People just want to be heard. But someone who's humble enough to actually listen, it's a beautiful gift. You know, some of you have the gift of prayer, and, and you're afraid to use it because you think it's just public. You think it's getting up here and, Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much, and it's just like fire and bah, you know? Maybe your gift of prayer is, you know, during service, you just notice someone, you know, who needs encouragement. 
Yeah, you pray for them. You just send them a message that week and they're like, hey, brother, I just want you to know that I prayed for you. Sister, I, I just, I don't know why, but I just felt like God was telling me to pray for you. You know, it, when I tell people I pray for them, I usually get this response. They're like, how dare you? Pastor, see, I never asked you to pray for me. Like, seriously, but that never happens, right? I'm just kidding, right? No one ever turns down prayer. I've heard these stories about people who go out and they try to evangelize. Like, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ? And, and what I heard from a lot of people is a lot of people don't want you to preach at them. I mean, they'll, they'll shut that down. They're like, hey, yeah, no thanks, man. No thanks, buddy. I'm good. And they'll just keep walking, right? Hardly anyone will turn down prayer. Even people who don't believe in God, if you tell them you're praying for them, they'll be like, well, thanks, you know, in most cases. Or, I mean, at the very, very worst, they'll be like, okay, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But they're not going to get mad at you, <laughs> right? It's maybe something you could do during service. You could pray for other people. I mean, how did church become this thing where it's just one guy talking up here and you hear a praise team and they play, you know, three, four songs, you know, and maybe you have your coffee and donuts and then you leave. When did that become church? I don't really know what that is, but I don't think that's church. I understand that this is what the church in the West has become. It's kind of become like a show, you know, uh, and, and with a sort of optional social element that can be added onto it. But one of the things that I think, I think, is kind of flattening church now is a lot of us, we don't understand what the point is anymore. Because to be honest, you could get all of this from home. You don't have to come here to get a sermon. You can listen to that on the internet. Right? Go to YouTube. You can find many, many good sermons. Right? And praise team. Praise team. Our praise team is so good. But come on, there's like Hillsong United out there, right? You know? Right? I, I, sorry, sorry. I mean, they're not as good as Jason, but... yeah. You know what I mean, right? You can get all of that from home. Why come here? And some people are like, yeah, why come here? i got a test to study for. You come here to become part of the body of Christ. That's the only way any of this makes sense. That's the only way we really get to practice our gifts, right? Most of the gifts of the Holy Spirit have to do with love and building up the body. You know, I mean, even take something like prophesy. Who cares about your prophecy if no one is listening, right? You're just up here by yourself, like, like in an empty room, and like, God told me, he revealed to me. No one cares, right? It's only good if it blesses and encourages another person. Even the gift of tongues, which is one of the more spectacular gifts that, that I think gets, gets hyped up a lot just because it's so otherworldly. You know what Paul says about the, the gift of tongues? He says it's useless, if you don't have someone to translate. Because what's the point? One person is like, I'm speaking the tongue of angels. Woo, I feel good. You know? And brothers and sisters, that can be a blessing. I mean, I don't mean to make fun. But at the same time, he's like, but if it's just nonsense, and no one else is getting blessed by it, then what's the point? The point of all of this is to build up our body. What if we let more people teach what if you wanted to preach one week? Now, I, I think you might need some training. I'll train you. <laughs> you know, you, you meet with me for three months, and then after that, 
Come up and preach sometime. Maybe you want to lead a small group, right? And, and uh, we, we've had some small group leaders, and I've been telling them this year. I'm like, hey, start asking people in your small group to do stuff. Maybe even let someone in your small group who's not a leader lead the small group. Again, let them practice, right? And, be, and I think most people would be really gracious. You know, we had a brother, uh, uh, David Beck, uh, came and preached a wonderful sermon over the, sun, uh, over the summer um, when, when I was on break. And, um, you know, to be honest, I asked him out of necessity because I was on break. But I know so many people who are blessed. And I think David was blessed too. And David is probably like mortified that I'm talking about him right now. And he's like, but Pastor Steve, it's my first time. Yeah, you know, it wasn't perfect. But that's practice, right? How else are you going to learn how to do this stuff unless you practice? Some of you, you have the opportunity to bless and to build the body of Christ by going up to someone you don't know and saying, Hi, my name is Chandra, if your name is Chandra. If it's not Chandra, don't say, Hi. My name is Chandra. They will look at you strangely when they find out that you are not Chandra. But you have this opportunity to practice. I know there's some people, they're like, but Pastor Steve, it's scary. It's so hard to talk to people. I just, I'm shy. I'm an introvert. I have a hard time. I get it. I get it. Me too. Me too. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw you out into the world with people who are completely hostile to Christianity and have you talk to them. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> not ready for that. But can you talk to these people in this room? Can you practice with us? And brothers and sisters, I do think we're going to need a whole lot of humility. We're going to need a whole lot of patience. We're going to need a whole lot of gentleness, right? We're going to need a whole lot of bearing with one another in love. But where do you think we're going to learn that? We're going to learn that by being the truth. Can I ask the priest team to come up? I, I, I want to ask you, because maybe you have been a part of a community where people really, really loved each other. I mean, just really loved each other. Not because they were being paid to do it, because it was their job. Not because they were getting a grade. Not because they necessarily were getting something directly out of it. But that's just what the community did. People were just so generous. And people were just so kind. And people really looked out for you. And people didn't judge you. But people were always in the, your corner rooting you on. And when you made a mistake or when you failed or when you had a tough time, they were there for you. They were there for you with cookies in hand because it always goes better with cookies. Some of y'all have the spiritual gift of baking and you've been holding out. I'm kidding, but kind of not. <laughs> you can bless each other. It doesn't always have to be a spectacular thing. But have you been a part of a community like that? Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. Maybe church has been a place of a lot of pain for you. I, I apologize for that. I apologize if our body has caused you pain. Because that's the thing. If you invite people who might steal your purses to church, they might steal your purses. <laughs> If you, if you invite people who lie sometimes to church, they, they might lie sometimes. Right? We're not perfect. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to make mistakes. 
I'm going to forget your name, brothers and sisters. I confess that already. <laughs> I've already done that with some of you. They're like, Pastor Steve, I've met you four times already. I'm so sorry. I'm not perfect at this. Can we learn together? Because isn't it worth it? Isn't this a worthy calling? Isn't it worth us trying to have the kind of community that really can be the body of Christ? That really loves like Jesus. Where we become more complete as Christ followers. That people look at the people in LGM and they say, man, there's some loving people here. Really love like Christ. That's worth it. I think it's absolutely worth it. Would you pray with me, friends? I, I, I want us to just, uh, um, if you could indulge me, if you could just kind of open your, your hands, your, your palms to the sky. You don't have to lift them high if that's intimidating to you. You can just kind of keep them in your lap. No one has to see. But just to have this posture of openness before God. I, I think it's perfectly okay to ask God, God, you know, reveal to me what my giftings are. Maybe some of you already know. You already have a hint. And maybe it's just a matter of uh, trying some things out, experimenting a little bit. But maybe some of you really feel like, I, I don't know what that is. And so I just want to ask God. I want us to ask God together. God, can you bless us? Pour out your gifts upon your people. There's some people in this room, I'm convinced, have the gift of prophecy, have the gift of healing, have the gift of teaching, have the gift of hospitality. There are some mad creative people. There's some really warm and loving people in this room. God, can you stoke those fires? That it's not just a natural gifting, but it become a supernatural one. One that can bless and benefit your whole church and eventually this whole world. And if you would be so bold, could you just extend your hands? Uh, it, it can be to your sides. It can be in front of you. But could you pray for whoever your hand is directed to? You don't have to know who they are, but could you just bless them? It can just be this simple. This sister, whose name I do not know, or maybe you do know. I think it's Chandra, not sure. <laughs> but God, can you just bless this person? Can you bless them? You know what's best for them. Can you help grow them, help mature them in their faith, in their love, in their giftings? Could you just take a moment to bless them? That would be a gift, brothers and sisters. Yeah, let's just bless one another. And then you could go like this. If your hands are, are face forward, you can go to the side and bless those people. That'd be awesome. You could kind of swivel around, you know, or just kind of just know someone's behind you and pray for them. That'd be awesome. Let's just take a moment to just pray for some people in this room. Maybe there's someone that God's putting on your heart that's here or not here, and you want to pray for them and bless them. That'd be awesome. Let's do that right now. feel this wonderful warmth as people are
praying for one another, blessing one another. And God, I, I just, I see a glimpse of what we can be as a church. Not as individuals who are just chasing after their own dreams and their own um, goals, but as people who are connected to each other, as a family, as people who realize that we are the same as one another. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have this opportunity to love and encourage one another and to do life together and to live in a thriving community of your love. God, just may we all bask and bathe in your love. May each and every person who is here know that they are not alone, know that you love them, and know that there is a community that is for them, that is cheering them on, that is encouraging them, an imperfect community, but a community that is being made more and more Christ-like day by day. We thank you, God, for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.